Logical Progression, Year 3, Chapter 11, Lesson 4. Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah. Alright, so the last line that we did, and I think that we'll have, uh, um, uh, on second thoughts, I think we will send, spend another session on this, because um, when it comes to menstruation, ironically, vaginal discharge is, I mean, obviously, uh, men, when it comes to knowing about female matters, menstruation is actually probably what they know most about. Menstruation and hayd and nifas, meaning <coughs> menstruation and postpartum bleeding. That's actually what men will know most about when it comes to studying scientifically and Islamically from the women. But one of those things which is actually very is specific to women, but very unknown uh, to the wider community, uh, to men especially, but also to women, <coughs> is the issue of vaginal discharge. Okay, and. The irony, of course, is that vaginal discharge is far more important to cover in the chapter of menstruation because it is a very difficult <coughs> issue, and so, um, and it's more, and well, I don't, it's not more common, but it's super common. Okay, vaginal discharge. I mean that by uh, people call it all different types of phrases: vaginal moisture, vaginal discharge. Um, you know, and there's some. I think there's a, a phrase, leukorrhea, or something some f- a medical phrase for it which covers all of the uh, all the different types um, and so uh, to cover that before we cover menstruation is actually good so let's uh, proceed uh, with this so in the English then we've just finished the statement that the human body doesn't become impure with death now there's a small list of things which uh, the Mu'allif the author the, uh, the author Rahimullah he wants to um, say are pure so he mentioned that the following things are pure the offspring of pure animals which have open circulatory systems, okay, um, and the urine, the dung, and the sperm of those animals whose meat is eaten, human sperm, vaginal discharge, and then that which is left over from <coughs> a cat and those creatures which are smaller than the cat, okay. So let's uh, let's take that from the beginning. Um, the following are pure offspring of pure animals which have open circulatory systems, and we've already said, okay, that. Um, uh, and Sheikh here in the Arabic he says the the, the, the text is mutawallid mutawallid min tahir and the actual Arabic correctly is mutawallid min tahir both of them are actually acceptable but the more afsah more yani, grammatically correct is mutawallid min tahir that which has been uh, that which is the offspring uh, that was the son and daughter or the child of whatever mutawallid that which is born okay so um, we're talking again about those things which do not have flowing blood so the open circulatory system thing yes remember that we talked about and so that's referring again to then um, uh, uh, so, so the two things then for these things to be considered to be, be pure is that number one that it must be uh, it must have no flowing blood it must be with an open circulatory system and number two, that it must be, it must be born, it must be the offspring of something pure. فَهَذَا لَا يَنْجُسْ بِالْمَوْتِ وَكَذَلِكَ لَا يَنْجُسْ فِي الْحَيَاءِ مِنْ بَابْ أَوْلَى Meaning that when they're dead, they are pure, okay? And when they are alive, they are pure. That's the, that's the, that's the, that, that's the point there. What we're talking about, what we're talking about, we're talking about أَسْرَاصِيرِ أَسْرَاصِيرِ is our roaches okay 
um, and include cockroaches okay but I would I, I want to really allow the phrase crickets to dominate your, your your thinking here okay I want you to think of crickets here and I say that because the whole kind of uh, uh, cockroach roach family is a massive one I don't know it has like I could be widely off, like three, four thousand different species amongst cockroach. There's some different types there are, right? And we freak out when we see a little black mosquito, yeah? Right? I mean, there's a massive sucker in America, like it's a big fat one, yani. Okay? And you know, they said that it can grow up to the size of seven inches. Can you imagine a cockroach, seven inches? Guess me, you'd have a heart attack. Yeah? Alright? So, I mean, there's so many. But there needs to be a distinction between because not in general all cockroaches are a filthy animal because they eat yani najas they eat feces they they eat everything they eat anything actually all right and then they carry it around and they spread kind of you know problems but it's actually it doesn't get a major it it gets a major uh, a negative negative PR because it's nowhere close to the spreading vector of uh, infection spreader or such as a fly. Uh, and nowhere, not even in the same stratosphere as the what mosquito. Well done, which is the world's biggest killer, or something <laughs> like that, as a item or or animal. The biggest killer is the mosquito because it 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 uh, spreads infection. So cockroach is not even anywhere close to that. Okay, and there are some cockroaches which don't actually live in toilets and so on, or live in dirty <laughs> areas. But that's a rare. That's the exception. So when you are mentioning a pure cockroach. I want you to be thinking of its family and bringing the cricket into it. So the cricket, they call it Surasiru Layl to try and specify it, i.e. the Surasir of the night, because that's when you hear crickets, you know, cricketing. What's the word? What do they do? Chirping? Croaking, chirping, sweeting. No, no, just carrying with the thing here. Ribbiting. Okay, that's a frog, bro. Okay. Trust Shaz to get his crickets and his frogs mixed up. That's soon. All right. So. Um, so I, I think it's, I think crickets is probably uh, a good good example here. But the other ones are easy. Al uh, Khunfasa are beetles. This is all there on page four hundred forty nine in the middle for anyone who's following the Sharhumta. Um Aqrab is uh, scorpions. Al Buck Buck is uh, bed bugs. Yeah, or any uh, even actually mosquitoes can fall into this category. We're talking about blood sucking kind of small irritating little kind of. Uh, Smaller than fly flies, yeah. Smaller than a fly type of fly, yeah. And then flies as well. A baud, a jarad, locusts. Locusts, of course, is the well-known example. Locusts are are eaten. Locusts are pure, clean, all the rest of it, and so on. So, therefore, if a beetle was to fall into water and it was to die, then the water is absolutely pure. Um, the sheikh then says, "Wa wazakh." Wazakh. You know what a wazakh is? A wazakh is a salamander. You know, like that lizard kind of thing? Yeah? Then if you've ever seen of a sal heard of a salamander. But it's like a lizard. Like a longish kind of lizard. Yani. And um, that should theoretically fall into the same category. Okay? But Imam Ahmad, rahmahullah, <coughs> he said, Innahu. In the in the uh, um, uh, sorry, in the lahun nafsan sa'ila, rahmatullah. It does have a circulatory system, and uh, actually, I'm not sure whether that's 100% correct. We can sure you know clarify that. Does it have a closed circulatory system, 
honor. But according to that then, according to the opinion that the salamander does have a, 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 a thingy, does have a, a, a closed circuitry system, then it would not be pure. Okay? So, it's If it was found dead, it would be dirty. And likewise a mouse. A mouse, if it was to be found dead, then it is to be considered as dirty, filthy, najis. Okay, so we're talking about finding these animals dead. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? In your area, on your body, on your clothes, they died, they've bled out, you know. They've, uh, uh, a, ma a, ma a mouse in a mouse trap that's bled onto the carpet, for example. You know, what's the ruling? So, uh, as we understand here, because these are small animals which the blood is flowing, uh, uh, they have open circulatory systems, as opposed to insects, then they are, they are considered to be um, <coughs> uh, najis. You know the salamander is very interesting. I don't know if you ever knew, but there's a there's a hadith. There's a hadith. It's not very strong. It's not very strong, but the rawai is an interesting one. That um, that the reason that the salamander is uh, is a um, not only is it an impure animal, it is to be killed as well. It is not one which is it is like an animal that should be is a pest and it should be got rid of and hunted and all the rest of it. Okay, and in one of the reasonings for it. When Sayyidina Ibrahim salam, was thrown into the fire, okay, uh, all of the animals, and Nabi Sallallahu said, all of the animals tried to reduce the severity of the fire, except this dog, yani, the salamander. He wanted to increase the dog. Yeah? So he tried to increase the fire on Sayyidina Ibrahim salam. And so because of that reason, yani, he's the enemy for all time. I love that man. That's a sick one. All right. So, if it comes from impurities, meaning when we say born from impurities, what we mean is that it digests impurities, okay? So any insect which comes from impurities, it will also be then impure. So this is where the exceptions are. So for example, the cockroaches which are in a home, which are yani, eating, for example, feces and then uh, breeding, and they breed super quick, right? Then this will be considered najis, okay? They will be considered najis, all right? Um... Uh, and there is an opinion just to, just to complete it that said that if a person di if something dies then that's called istihala and if you die if you ate najis and then you digested it and then you and you died and you turned into a different organism or the organism is created yani after the digestion has occurred this is istihala then what was najis then turns into pure into uh, into purity Okay, because it's been digested, then according to those people, they consider therefore then the even the cockroach of the toilet to be pure. But that's any that's a that's a that's a weak that's a weak position. Allah knows best. It's not the class position. Class position, anything which feeds uh, feeds on najis, it, it, it itself is najis. That which is not dependent upon najis is therefore not najis. Okay, um, and then the next uh, statement is. And the urine, the dung, and the sperm of those animals whose meat is eaten. Whose meat is eaten? We are talking about cattle, sheep, uh, rabbits, uh, camels, and so on. And what's the evidence for that? That all of these things are pure. It's urine, it's dung. Okay, urine and dung is a major one, okay? Urine and dung and sperm. These are all major major like uh, statements, big statements. So the evidences for this are quite a few. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the famous hadith narrated by uh, Bukhari um, commanded a group of people um, who were looking after the 
the, the camels of sadaqah, those that had been given in char charity, to drink from their milk and their urine. Okay? So the, the, the urine itself was drunk as some form of medicine. Allahu A'lam, yani its nature. And there's again studies you'll see online, something which doesn't interest me, but you know that it has some scientific uh, medical benefits, blah, 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 blah. And so therefore, and he, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, not only did he tell them to drink it, but he never told them that they had to wash the vessels that it was being contained in, which shows that it is pure. Because if it was uh, dirty, then it would have to be, he would have to command them to clean it. Second evidence is the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, أَذِنَ بِالصَّلَاةِ فِي مَرَابِدَ الْغَنَمِ The sheep pens, yeah, a sheep pen, uh, the, you're allowed to pray in there. And if you pray in a sheep pen, then it's full of dung and full of yani, you know, uh, urine. Okay, so obviously Prophet will not allow you to pray in a place which is najis. Okay, the third evidence is that everything is pure until proven impure, and there's no evidence to show that these things themselves um, are are impure. Okay, someone might say, someone might say, well, what about the fact that the Prophet said that you're not allowed to pray in the uh, the pens of camels, the fence, the, the areas of camels? Okay, um, you're not allowed to pray in there. So that's indicating that the 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 you know the pens have camel feces and the dung and whatever. And if you're not allowed to pray in there, then surely you shouldn't be allowed to pray anywhere else. Well, the answer to that is number one: we've been very clearly allowed in another pen, so we can't put one up against the other. And more easier, secondly, we'll say that the reasoning for not praying in the camel pen is quite clear to us, not because of the dung and the urine but because of the nature, almost the spiritual nature of that area. The idea is, is that there is, you know, the, the camels, they have this link with shaitan. There's like a shaitana, as they say. There's like a devilish kind of uh, connotation, a devilish connotation. Um, and Sheikh Uthameen, he says, he, said, uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't want to say that this is the exact reason. He goes that this is Amr Ta'abudi, meaning that this is something we can't question. We're told, we just accept it. We don't know the reasoning for it. We're allowed to pray in this, we're allowed to pray there, but in the, 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 the pens of camels, we can't pray. But it's, it's, it's urine is pure. We've already seen that in other hadith. And it's dung is pure. We've already established that. But we just can't pray there. Why? We don't know. But um, he said that some of the reasons... Some of the reasons that we can give, or some of the reasons that have been mentioned by different scholars, are number one, sheep are miskin, yani, they don't do anything, right? So if you were to pray in a, a sheep pen, then you know, you're going to be chill, right? Nothing's going to happen. He goes, but if you're going to go and pray in a camel pen, you're going to get your head kicked in. Okay? And you've seen some of those amazing videos right, on YouTube. The greatest video of all time is that American military guy, okay? So, show, so, soldier, I think he's in Iraq or something, giving it the big end, whatever, whatnot. And he's kind of, you know, with his gun and trying to kind of, you know, mess around this camel. And it turns and it kicks him across the whole Yanni floor. Like about three meters, kicks him one. Hardcore. Yeah. And everyone's going, oh, Akbar. Anyway, so, um, so you know, you're going to, there's, there's, there's a greater fear of damage. And obviously that threat is making tashwish upon you. You know, you can't concentrate on your salah. So that's probably one of the reasons as well. And then... And then he said, وَقِيلْ إِنَّهَا خُلِقَتْ مِنَ الشَّيَاطِينَ كَمَا وَرْضَ بِذَلَكَ الْحَدِيثِ Hadith of Bara ibn Azib Hadith of Bara ibn Azib Let me read it to you, actually, because it's interesting Hadith on page 301 
three. Uh, let me find it for you. If you look at the hadith, I will say it's a hadith. No, it's not here. Never mind. It's a shame. I thought it was here. Okay, never mind. Anyway, um, anyway, Sheikh Taymin says that there is hadith that mentioned that. He goes, but the meaning is not that it's aslu madati hadalik. It doesn't say that it's physically made of devils. It means that it has been created from a devilish, it has a devilish composition. You know, you know, and he explains it well. He goes, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, خُلِقَ الْإِنسَانُ مِنْ عَجَلٍ Insan has been created hasty, hasty, yes. عَجَلٍ يعني always rushing, no patience, no nothing, whatever. Now, خُلِقَ الْإِنسَانُ means the insan is created from ajal. Obviously, it's not, we're not created from ajal. But our nature is that we are always hasty and so on and so forth. Um, and, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَكَانَ الْإِنسَانُ عَجُولًا and in, indeed, mankind is just forever hasty, always hasty, okay? And there's another hadith which is a weak hadith, okay? Um, and I wish one day that we go back to this actually hadith uh, to study it because I think it's interesting. The Apparently it was narrated that the Prophet ﷺ said, That on the hump of every camel is a shaitan. On the hump of every camel there is a shaitan. This is interesting. He goes, so therefore it becomes clear that the reason we're prohibited from praying in a camel pen is because actually it's a pen of shayateen. And that's the same reason why we're prohibited to pray in the toilet because the toilet is also the home of shayateen. Which is why when we enter the toilet, we say, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-khubati wal-khaba'ith. I seek refuge with you, Ya Allah, from female male devils. Because that's where they live. That's where they stay. And likewise, we can't pray in the camel's pen. because. I... So this is just hikam. This is just yani, akli arguments. No no absolute clear evidence. And so on and so forth. Um, okay. And then it's mani is also. Okay. The, the sperm of these animals is also pure. Ma, uh, uh, yani those animals as, as, I just, as I just mentioned okay and the reason for that is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Wallahu khalaqa kulla min ma. and Allah created every single creature from water and this water here okay <coughs> and is, is it not that we created everything from uh, everything uh, from water uh, will they not believe in Surah Al-Anbiya verse 30 the previous verse was Surah Al-Nur 45 and this verse, Anbiya, verse 30. Because if we're going to say that the flesh of these animals is pure, and then we're going to say the urine of these animals are pure, and we're going to say that the feces of these animals is, is pure, so of course the money has to be pure, which is bin bab al And it's even more obvious. It has a greater priority to be pure. It is like almost the clean aspect of all of these three kind of things. So of course it should be pure. So that's the position there. The next statement then is human sperm. The nature of human sperm, it is pure. All right, it is pure. Human sperm is a substance for all for what for all that it's worth. It is pure. What is human? What is sperm? How do we distinguish 
in uh, how do we de- how do we dis- and we obviously we studied this in a long time uh, for a, a good couple of sessions and you can go back to the notes in year three everything's online as as usual and you can see the, dis- the, the the distinguishing kind of factors and features and characteristics but in summary it is a liquid which is thick in nature it is whitish in color it has a, a cloudy uh, 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 texture and and it only and this is the key it only comes out from insan bishahwa it's not something which comes out continuous as discharge it always comes out with desire there is a great <coughs> feeling of desire and once it exits there's a feeling of exhaustion this are the key characteristics which determine that what just came out is sperm that's necessary because it is often preceded or followed soon or later by madhi which is prostatic fluid which has an entire different ruling okay and that's why it's important to know very clearly uh what's going on and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says uh did we not create you from this despised fluid a fluid which does not run very smoothly as, as opposed to water which goes very very um uh, uh, water flows very, very uh, easily. Um, <coughs> Sheikh Uthameen goes, we should stop and remember that, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created from this fluid the Anbiya and As-Saliheen and As-Siddiqeen and As-Shuhada. And therefore, to say that it is pure is a big is a big statement when you would think that because it's been called despised fluid, miskin fluid, little fluid, whatever, you might think that automatically it's dirty. And so the culture is against us. So we need to establish that it is actually pure. And so other than saying that all these great Yani people are created from it and human beings, which is the greatest <coughs> of all, then there are three ways of showing that it is pure. The first of them is to remember that al aslu fil ashya tahara that the basic principle in things is that they are pure until we have a clear evidence which makes them impure. Okay. The second evidence is the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha. Um, she. Uh, when she would find any sperm that came from the Prophet that had dried, she would uh, rub it and scratch it off, and then she would then um, uh, uh, and she would and she, yeah she would just scratch it off and that's it. And if there was any sperm that was not dry, not dry, then she would wash it off. If it was liquid. Not if it's liquid, yani it's, it's, it's moist uh, residue. Yeah, that's what I want to say. If sperm had a moist residue, it would be cleaned away with, um, with water. Now, Sheikh Uthameen says, is that if it was impure, if sperm was impure, it would not have been sufficient just to scratch it away. Okay? And I tell you, I tell you why. This is really, uh, again, is good. Because... We already have the Prophet ﷺ going into detail when something becomes dry. Do you understand? What is that? Menstrual blood, yes? And what did he say? He said, scratch it off, get rid of it, and then wash the area. Very clear process. And so while he is allowing Aisha just to scratch it away, it's a proof that was left behind from the dry residue on the cloth or area, then that is not of the impurity that we would consider. Okay? Alright, good. Um, and the third point that he says is that this water is the actual basic madda, basic yani material of the slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all of them, and all the good ones, and the shuhada, and everything, and so on, and uh, so forth. Oh, 
Okay. Um, someone might say, well, hold on. This is from the waste products of, of uh, the human beings. And waste products of human beings are... Uh, are nudges like a bowl, like a urine, and like a feces. So we'll say that not actually every single waste product of the human being is impure. So let's give some examples. Vomit, Vomit is not yani impure. It's not. not nasal mucus. Okay, nasal mucus, for however disgusting it is, okay, is not actually physically impure. Yani, think about it. You have a runny nose. Okay, and you wipe it with your sleeve. You you don't now stop the prayer and wash your whole. You know what I'm saying? It is it is pure. It is still clean, Yani. Okay, clean has two meanings here, isn't it? It's not clean, but it's clean enough for you to continue doing your act of ibadah. Uh, sweat, okay, that's a waste product. Spit is a waste product. Uh, Sheikh also mentions the human body, a seven part bit. Kind of, you know, a bit hardcore that, but yeah, you know, if, if you want to give an example, might as well go the full way. So if your hand gets cut off, that's a waste product. Then, uh, um, and also says, second point, he goes that, let's be honest now, don't try and compare sperm with Yanni feces and, and urine, Yanni. Two completely different, you know. Um, uh, uh, yeah. So that's good. That's good. That, majority that is the majority position. Yes, that is the majority position. Okay. Uh, Okey-cokey. Right. So here's the big one then. All right. The next one is vaginal discharge. Now, you know something really fascinating about this subject? Um, it's actually one of the big ones for all students of knowledge. When they come to this subject, it's they know that this is the big one. It's the big one because of uh, their conflicted feelings, their conflicted emotions. Why? Because... There's not a very, very clear defining answers on behalf of both parties that deal with it. It is a, it's, it's to do with women, which basically puts all men at a disadvantage in trying to get a real big tasawwur. Understanding the issue, yeah, and it's spot on. They're always having to rely upon secondhand information. The women scholars are not stepping up, simple as that. They're not there, they're not studying, they're not taking it to the next level, whatever, whatnot, you know. Uh, men maybe not giving them the opportunity as well, but yani, you know, women who want to do it, they can do it. I've, you know, we've seen them. And you know, Subhanallah, was fascinating in this subject. In this subject, as 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 you'll see, is just how important the role of women scholars is. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna illustrate that to you in this in this subject. So, what are we talking about here? First of all, we're talking about you know uh, the amount of fluids that can come from the vagina are many. Okay, some of the some are super obvious, and others show signs of um, there's the natural things. Okay, and then we, we're talking different types of blood, we're talking different types of infection, talking different types of discharge, and you know all of them need to be considered uh, with different principles, different rules, different conditions, and so on and so forth. Some of them are very easy. In my opinion, menstruation is the easiest of them to deal with, the easiest. Okay, and then um, vaginal discharge is something which happens quite regularly and that discharge um, people think that it's some kind of blood it isn't it is a fluid which is whitish in principle or colorless actually if it's upon clothes as the ulama said but then it takes a white and yellowish t a tinge if it gets too yellow it's an indication of infection okay or any or or an indication of something even more serious okay um but the key thing is, is that 
it is something which happens regularly. And it's something which is almost like a sweating, almost like a sweating. And it's very important to know, obviously, that uh, women, they suffer regularly from vaginal dryness and they need lubrication for just for just normative times I'm talking about, okay? And this is when the, the, the lubrication is not happening correctly. But when it is happening correctly, then it over uh, uh, lubricates and exudes. And that's what we're talking about. And that's why the scholars were always very, very careful to differentiate between the vaginal discharge, which is inside, you know, inside the labia, inside the vagina, and that which is actually outside, okay? And we are only concerned with the outside because, and this is a very important rule in fact, anything which remains inside, remains inside. It doesn't matter whether it's najis or pure or not, it's inside. And so we are never talking, and in all the discussions you will study and read about, we're always talking about what comes outside the body, okay? So, this vaginal moisture, this whitish, this vaginal... Um, uh, I, 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 we have to stick to something, okay? Rutuba, just to look at the Arabic, Rutuba al-Faraj, the water or the moisture of the private parts, that's the actual phrase which is used in Arabic, like I said, it can be given any phrase that you want in English. You just need to understand that this is not menstruation. This is not irregular vaginal bleeding. This is not incontinence. It's not urine. It's not any. It is an actual discharge which comes from the vagina, which means it comes from the ure the the the, the it comes from the uterine. Uh, 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 it comes. From, it, it sources uterine, and it doesn't come through the urethra. Urethra is that for? Yeah, urethra in the man, sir. And the ureter is uterine? Ureter is from the kidneys to the bladder. So the ureter is not... Ureter is from kidneys to bladder. Only urine. So that's urine. Yeah. But 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 when it comes to the external, it then it's called the ureter. So it's the extension of that. Yeah, okay. And and the opposite to, as opposed to? In both men and women, it's urethra. Yeah. Urethra orifice. What urine comes to. So in the vagina, urethra... And vaginal orifice. Right, vaginal orifice. Okay, good. So this is, and it's very important to understand, it's not coming from the urethra. It's not coming from the, what we call majral bowl. It's not coming from the pathway where urine comes from. And so that's very important because remember, well, you won't remember, but back in the day when we're talking about the, the, what invalidates the wudu and what invalidates, what obligates ghusl, it is very important to, uh, to distinguish that uh, first of all, where is this thing coming from? Because if anything comes from a sebilane, a sebilane meaning the two orifices, then that's referring to back passage and the, the urethra, yani the urine passage, if you want to call it yani lay terms. Yeah. So, th th so obviously, uh, feces comes out the back, urine comes out the front. It's very simple. Anything that comes out, that's all najis. That's why the scholar said even if blood or anything comes out. From that, from those, they're all nedges as well, okay? Because they come out of these two. But then, what's interesting is that anything that comes out the vaginal orifice, that has to be given separate ruling. And as you're going to see, they differed over it massively. Massive difference of opinion. Yani, do we assume that anything which comes out of the vaginal orifice is also impure? And it's easy to assume that because menstrual blood comes out of that, sah? And we know how impure menstrual blood is. And so, therefore, it's easy for scholars then to put everything which comes out as impure. And that is why that's why there's even a discussion here 
That's why we're having a discussion and that's why when the humbly say it is Tahir, they're going against yani, the basic idea that people might think about, which is that, hold on, that's where the menstrual blood comes from. That's where anything from the vagina comes from should be impure. So why are you saying the vaginal discharge is pure? Right, so this is a little introduction to the, to the subject at hand. Now, some of the scholars said, no, it's like menstrual blood, it is najis. And that's the position of the Hanafi school and uh, quite a few other scholars actually. And they said that if it touches any clothes, then it becomes, um, then it becomes impure. When they were asked, what's your evidence? They said, because it comes from the vaginal orifice. That it comes out of an orifice of which only najasa comes out. And so therefore, it is, it is written off uh, 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 automatically. Sheikh Uthameen makes an immediate statement, which yani, betrays his yani, position. Okay, He says, and if we follow this position, then this is going to be an unbelievable difficulty upon women. Because this happens all the time. Okay, happens all the time. You know, we were going to be really clever, and I completely forgot to speak to Asif as well. But it is actually set up. We have the system set up where we're going to allow anonymous voting. It's a bit bad, that ain't it? Not bad, it's a bit weird. We're going to do anonymous voting to allow the sisters to vote, um, to choose, not a vote, sorry, a poll, poll, to yeah, choose like how many times it happens to them and to, to determine also the average day, the average length of time of periods because there's always a discussion what the average is and actually in when we come to the chapter of menstruation you'll see that the discussion over the average is a very important one it has a direct ruling so if Wasif is watching then you know make that uh, live because I definitely want to, the sisters to, for themselves to see that in this country um, well, that's not going to work anyway. It's not this country. It's people all over the world on the, on the thingy. <laughs> and that's also important, you see, because people who are in different cultures, in different areas, in environments, in different heat, and all the rest of it, they have differing uh, uh, menstrual periods, length and duration, whatever. So that's not really going to tell us much at all, is it, really? It was an idea, anyway. Anyway, so the point is this. Sheikh Uthaymin says is that if we were to follow this opinion, this would be so difficult to maintain. It would be really difficult... He goes, yes, there are some women that don't get this at all. And there are some that only get it during pregnancy at the later months. And there are other times I get this all the time. There are other people who get this all the time. From my experience, from the amount of times that I've been asked this, this question from sisters, it's actually a lot more common than you can believe. That's what I want to say. Um, and it's not something which is like, you know, it's, it's not strange. And so therefore, when I say it's quite common, the reason that that statement is important is because that has to, has to have an impact upon our answer. Because we cannot give answers which are mujarrad anil haqiqat al-mas'ala. Yani we can't just give answers which have no connection to the reality of our time and say something and pretend that stick our hand, heads in the, in, the, in, the, in the sand and pretend that nothing happens yani in the real world, right? So that's really important. So this is something, as Sheikh Uthameen is, is indicating, is something which happens all the time. Now, now, that's why he says that a number of the scholars, such as the Hanbali Madhab, they said it is pure. And this is the position of the Shafi'is as well. 
Okay, this is the position of the Shafi'is as well. Incidentally, this is the position of Ibn Taymiyyah and a number of contemporary scholars. Okay, and they said that, um, and they gave some different evidences. Okay, but it's all ugly kind of different evidences. They said that when a um, and this vaginal discharge and moisture, if you imagine, is effectively what's inside just coming outside. I want you to physically just imagine that. It's what's inside coming outside. So they said that in the state of intercourse, when a man is having intercourse, then there's no doubt that he will come into contact with this vaginal moisture. Now, I, 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 I want you to uh, uh, understand something here. All right, this is very important. You remember when we discussed this, I can't remember what chapter, okay? Um, intercourse mustn't be understood in the Western idea of intercourse because when you say sexual intercourse, the idea is complete penetration, ejaculation, full complete what they would call sex. Whereas sexual intercourse, um, when, we, when, 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 when a scholar says, uh, um, for example, الرجل, he has intercourse with her, then this is allowing the possibility of al-azl. A coitus interruptus as they call it yes what are they just withdrawing basically so a person like in a, in a contraceptive kind of way meaning not allowing ejaculation to occur so theoretically theoretically a person therefore could have intercourse and there is no sexual fluid produced does that make sense okay yeah it's theoretically not from her not from him it could be very quick could be very brief could whatever and so therefore if a scholar says the Prophet knew that his companions were practicing coitus interruptus and we don't know at what stage they were withdrawing but they could be withdrawing at any time the idea of withdrawing of course was to prevent yani, uh, uh, you know pregnancy or whatever a contraceptive kind of purpose so if a person is doing that okay the Prophet is not measuring at what stage they're coming out and also what did the Prophet not do? No, no, not only not prohibited, he did not tell them to wash their penises. Okay? And the idea is that if he didn't, knowing that it had been inserted and no doubt would have come into contact with vaginal moisture or discharge or the surrounding, then this would have indicated that that surrounding is pure. Does that make sense? But they would, they would make khusr after anyway. Not, obli not, ob not obligated by the Prophet. It was not obligated by the Prophet uh, uh, Sorry, so, that, so you understand. Not for the penetration. Not for the penetration. I mean for the for the reasoning of that it has a nejus substance on it. A ghusl is still. Okay. A is obligated, but why? But why? For the penetration, not for the, uh, uh, the the fluid which is on the penis. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Gone. Anyway, that doesn't change the fact that it has to be done for a reason. So, if a ghusl is not a physical cleaning, a spiritual cleaning, like you're saying, it still needs a reason to initiate it. Which is a meeting of the two circumstances. Correct. And not the fact that the liquid yes. is impure. This is why, what did I say at the beginning? No one has uh, has any... What was, what was the, 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 the disclaimer I gave at the beginning of the explanation? I said, it is a... Akli argument. I said that, isn't it? There is no argument for them and there's no argument for them. Yeah, and it's not a clear issue. I said to you right at the beginning, this is one of the great fiqh mas'ala. Yeah, and one of the big problems of trying to determine it. Okay? Um, 
So, so he said, "Ma adalik lajib alayhi an yaghsil dhakrahu wa hadak almujma alayhi fi ahdi Rasul صلى الله عليه وسلم ila yomina hada عند الناس ولا يقال بأنها نجسة ويعفى عنها لأننا إذا كنا ذلك احتجنا إلى دليل على ذلك. No one has ever said that in the history of the Muslims that this needs to be washed, okay? Yani because of that liquid. Rather, the ghusl is for the penetration as such, okay? And if it is said that in a dalil mashakka wa rubba ma yakun thalik wa tukun hiya najisa Okay, so Sheikh says, I can, I can uh, if you want, he says, I can, I can argue this point from a few other angles. He goes, let's look at it from a position. He goes, my position is that it is indeed pure. And my arguments are as follows. He says that the private parts has two orifices. Okay, or the the, the yeah the private parts of the woman has two uh, um, uh, uh, orifices. Majra maslaka dhakar wa hadi tasil bil rahim wa la ilaqa lima bi majari al bowl wa la bi muthana wa yakhruj bin asfil majra al bowl. Majra al bowl wa hadi tasil bil muthana wa yakhruj bin a'la al faraj. He said that obviously if you look at the vaginal structure, you have two. You have that which is higher, that which is lower. And that which is, um, and that which is, uh, um, uh, he says, what's the best way to describe this? He says, the vaginal orifice is the place where the penis enters and it is connected to the womb. It's, yani, its connection is with the room, the, the womb, meaning that obviously you know the uterus, the, the uterus, and so on and so forth. It's got nothing to do with the actual bladder per se. It's not yani, the urine tube, if you like. And the other one is purely for urine. The other one is purely for urine. So he said that if this rutuba, okay, came from the urethra. Then it would be najis. There would never be a discussion about it. End of story. Okay? It would then be considered like incontinence. We would deal with it under the, the chapter of incontinence. So if some discharge came, and they have discharge which comes through, which is not urine, other stuff, it is treated under the Islamically when we give fatwa and so on, it is treated under the chapter of incontinence. We give rulings like that. And so if it was to come from there, we would look at it from an incontinence point of view. But but if it comes from the vagina, then it is pure because it is not the waste product of food and drink. It is not the waste product of food and drink. And it is not urine. <coughs> and something is pure until it's proven to be najis. So it's not the waste product of food and drink. It doesn't come, it doesn't, it's a, it is not a. Uh, a bowl and it is not yani, pure until it is proven it's not impure until it's proven impure okay I think you know what I think I confused some people earlier on because I my fault I didn't explain earlier on but again he repeats what he uh, argued uh, uh, earlier on he said that if a man has intercourse with his wife he has never been obliged to clean his uh, to wash his penis Okay, he has to make ghusl for the intercourse, but not to clean his penis per se because of it being dirty. Even if it was to fall onto his clothes, you are not obliged to wash the clothes. That makes it more easier, isn't it? Yeah, so for example, if he was to withdraw and wipe himself clean 
without any sexual fluids or whatever using the the thobe or whatever then he wouldn't need to wash the thobe that makes it a bit more easier okay but he didn't mention the thobe earlier on because you should understand it from even just the principle that a ghusl does not mean that it covers every single possible reason a ghusl has a specific reason and there's a difference again between a ghusl and a ghasl yes ghasl means to wash and a ghusl is the entire bath صح? okay so um Oh, okay. And if it, yeah. ولو كانت نجسة للزم من ذلك أن أن ينجس المني لأنه يتلوث بها. Something else which he says interestingly as well. He says that Sheikh uh, Tamimi uh, makes a point here, and I was very very careful to uh, uh, say withdrawing before. Uh, uh, sexual fluids and so on I exchanged yes and ejaculation but Sheikh Smith said very interesting he actually says actually if you think about it it doesn't matter let's say he does ejaculate and there is sperm he goes sperm is pure anyway so if there was sperm there's no doubt that the sperm has touched or become mixed up with vaginal uh, lubrication moisture discharge whatever and yet the Prophet never commanded the complete cleaning of the area where that is that gets touched it's just to be treated like we treat many you know clean it or whatever whatnot and the ruling on many is that it's pure so therefore that which is associated with it is also pure and I, that's also a nice statement to be honest i don't think that's a major issue at all this is the easy part the contemporary scholars today even some of the hanafis okay have taken the position that vaginal moisture is pure what do you think the real issue is? Wudu. Does it invalidate wudu? Because there's one thing about it being impure and it making your clothes dirty and underpants dirty and all the rest of it, whatever. Okay? And a person can, you know, deal with that in some way or the other. But let's say now that, oh, great, I found that it's pure, so it's okay now. If the discharge occurs, it's all right, I can continue. But what about the issue of breaking wudu? Well, this is a killer. Okay? Because the mass majority of scholars, if not all of them, consider the wudu to be invalidated by the discharge of vaginal uh, wetness or vaginal uh, discharge. Okay? Um, let's look at this issue. أما ما خرج من مسلك البول فهو ينقض الوضوء لأن الظاهر أنه من المثانة. That which exits from the uh, uh, the uh, the urethra, okay, that invalidates thing. We know that, yes. So urine which comes out, anything which comes out, then that breaks the wudu, and that's well known. But what comes out from the vagina? Well, the majority of the scholars consider it to also break the wudu. Majority, in fact, all of them. Only Ibn Hazm from the Zahiri school, he said, This does not break wudu. Okay, and here's what he said He said, It doesn't break wudu because it's not urine and it's not prostatic fluid, it's not madi. And Woman Kala bin Naqd for Ali Hiddilil, Belhua Kalharis bin Bakit al Badin bin Fodlat Ukra. This is a very famous statement of, of this is a very statement famous statement of Ibn Hazm and it's a very famous statement of Shaykh Uthaymin. You always see him quoted, okay? Sheikh Ibn Hazm, Imam Ibn Hazm, Ali Rahmatullah, 
You know Ibn Hazm, of course, uh, we, did, we explained who he is. It's very important for us to study, to know when we study fiqh. <laughs> he is the imam and the king of the earlier Zahiri school, the literalist school, okay? They were a school that were very, very Quran and Sunnah focused. They didn't really like too much aql to be used, yeah, and they didn't trust it so much. They want evidences. And so it's a really good madhab to understand because <laughs> it really, they really like to use the evidence. They really nature the evidences. You know, they really they can find all kinds of meanings in there to avoid you having to try and use your aql too much or qiyas and all these kind of tools which are man-made ultimately, okay? And there's always a possibility of error. But but obviously that leads you to literalism and literalism can be as, as big a disaster as well. So anyway, it died off really, this school, the, the, the founder, Dawud uh, al Yani he didn't do a great job, yani his students yani also didn't proliferate. But then it was revived a couple hundred years later by Imam Ibn Hazm, the Imam of Spain. And this guy, of course, was a was a was a was a yani genius. He was like a king of scholars, and he was eloquent. He was the master of like hundreds of languages and poet and adib and everything. He was an artist, and he was like yani mufassir, faqih, everything. He wrote love poems, manuals, this that. Super. We're talking at the very very highest echelons of scholarship. And so he became so famous that actually people forgot the original school and they just used like Ibn Hazm's opinion, Ibn Hazm's opinion. And he has a very famous book on Fiqh al-Muhalla and it is something which is of a necessity to study when you are a student of, advanced student of Fiqh. Now he says here, he goes, listen, this does not come out of the urethra. So why are you saying that it breaks the wudu? And, 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 and anyone who says that it breaks wudu must bring an evidence clear, a clear evidence. And we must consider this fluid, this substance, like anything else which comes out of the body from other places. He's basically saying like nasal mucus, like, uh, you know, not vomit, like nasal mucus, keep it at that, okay? Just like mucus, all right? Mucus from here or nasal mucus from the, from the, from the top, okay? Sheikh Uthameen made a statement straight after it. He said, the problem he goes, if this, you know what, we'd love to take this position. He goes, we'd love to take this position. Because it would make the situation so easy for our sisters. However, he never mentioned a single person. Not a single companion. Not a single tabi'i. Or adba'u tabi'i. Or an imam. Or any of their students to support him. Remember we said in fiqh, if you're going to have an opinion... Make sure you have a salaf. Yeah? A salaf means a precedent. Let someone else put their neck on the line. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, let's say, at least you can say, yeah, that's not my position. It's the position of so and so. You know what I'm trying to say? First of all, that's a dangerous game to play. You shouldn't be playing this game where you kind of choose opinions and you say, ah, because we know that uh, in Islam, actually, it is possible to present a religion which would look entirely different to the Islam that we recognize today if you went just by the possibility of opinions. We have everything. We have absolutely everything. We have like you could three you could pray three times a day, you could you could you could you know anything anything that you don't have to fast Ramadan you don't have to you could do everything if and there is one imam that you know that lost his mind for one moment and he has a statement out there and these are called the ajaib and the gharaib okay and every imam has one every imam and great scholar has one like you know where the scholar just can't say listen just just put it to the side just ignore him he had a bad you know he had a bad day that day you know what I'm saying yeah so. So what I'm saying is that even if you do have something then that indicates not necessarily the strongest of things. So what about if you don't even have anything? What if you don't even have any precedent? And that's what Sheikh Uthameen is trying to make the point of. Now, 
I tell you what's interesting. Um, the majority of scholars, they, as I said, they were very clear that this is something which is impure by its very nature because it comes out of the vagina and because of its physical nature, it has a particular smell, which isn't, isn't overpowering. You know, the smell is something which a number of scholars use to indicate impurity. All right. So they found that anything which has an offensive smell that which people kind of go back from, then people that, you know, like menstrual blood definitely has an offensive smell, definitely has an offensive smell. Muntina, all the scholars say it has a, 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 a muntin smell, offensive, hurtful kind of smell. Whereas if you look at the smells of other things, such as, for example, sperm is always described in another kind of way. That it smells like eggs and it smells like dough and it smells like, you know, it doesn't smell, doesn't smell like something which puts you off. Yeah, right. So, um, and that's why it was easy for them because of where it's coming from and because of its nature to say that it is um, uh, impure. I want to say, having discussed all of that, um... Oh, 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 by the way, just want to just want to say something. Um, what if someone says, okay, and it's very important that, we, I, that I make it clear, we are not talking about continual discharge here. All right, it's essential you understand that. We are not talking about continual discharge because when it is a continual discharge, we put it into the chapter of incontinence, yes, or irregular bleeding, which doesn't stop, and we'll deal with that. We'll come to that, don't worry. We're talking about on, off, on, off, three days off, one day on, two months off, three days on. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? This, the, the, the normal one, which occurs to, to women, okay? Uh, that's very important to understand. So, because, 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 if it is continuous, we are going to rule that it doesn't break the wudu. Okay? And you will see my paper on that tonight, and you will see my explanation of it tomorrow. You will see a study of that. Everything will cover that, okay? But we're not talking about continual disease situation. We're talking normative. Okay? This does not always indicate disease. It actually indicates something which is quite normal. So, here's the point. If this uh, is, um, you know, here and there and on and off, and it comes out, how can it break the wudu when it is pure? How can something which is pure break wudu? Any answers to that? Um, yes, technically the answer is no because it makes ghusl and not not wudu and the question is about wudu. Quantity. No? Anyone? Anyone? Think. The question is, how can something be pure and it comes out and it breaks the wudu? Very good, carry on. Passing the wind, uh, I think we discussed the LP. Some people say it's pure. Um, people spoke about the particles, but it's well known that you know, you need to reveal. Excellent, well done, well done. Exa exactly the correct answer. Passing wind, wind itself is just gas, it doesn't have a purity state. So it is a pure substance, yet it coming out invalidates the wudu. So the majority are very comfortable where they are. All right. Having said that, okay, um, some of the Hanafis, and you've got to love the Hanafis, yeah. They, some of them, not all of them, they were like the rebels in the Hanafis, yani, okay. 
they said that no, it is pure. It is pure. But their argument was using qiyas, analogy. They said, there's a concept by the way, the, the guys won't know about, okay? It's called vaginal wind. <laughs> I know, it freaks me out as well, but you know. But apparently it's true, okay? I don't know. The problem is I can't even ask sisters, Yanni, is that not, is that true? And they go, yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> That's when you're stuck, Yanni, you know what I'm saying? It's not like asking, is, is, is ice cream nice? Yeah, lovely. Sister, is it like that? Yeah. Exactly like that. I wish I had some gutsy sisters that said, no, it's not like that. Because mine is like this. Um, so vaginal wind is a reality. It's not something very common or super common, but the point is, is that it is a reality. Now, what is that? Okay. It, I, I don't know how it works because I haven't studied it. Okay. All right. And I should have to be frank because medicine is my background. Okay. Physiology is my background, but I'm not bothered with it, to be honest. Okay. Um, that there's some kind of wind. Why don't I ask you lot? Yeah. You don't care. Unless Zafar, you have it as well. But I don't know. <laughs> Come on, tell me, bro. No comment. No, no, don't you come at me now. <laughs> what do you want to know? The vaginal wind, what's, what's, what, what is it? Well, I suppose any orifice, it, it's got connection with the outside. Yep. Uh, it's a cavity, basically, that's yep. open. Some some air will get in, and it does open and close, and maybe that's why it is. Right. It's nothing, I can't think of how it's produced in there. Yep. More that wind, well, air gets in, and it stays in, and then right okay all right good we'll proceed on that there is some form of vaginal flatulence for which for whatever reason it just happens and no scholar ever said that vaginal flatulence um, breaks the wudu okay and they said that qiyasin on this then neither does the vaginal moisture it also comes out, it's also a pure substance, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it breaks the wudu. If we're not gonna say that vaginal wind breaks the wudu, they're basically saying if you're gonna make you if you're gonna say vaginal moisture breaks wudu, then you gotta also say the vaginal wind does the same. And no one's gonna go there. And so that's why they they, they make that point. Yes. On the medical point of view, does um, medical um, um, vaginal discharge, what is it meant to do for the for the body of the woman? Is that, is that, is that a, uh, a point, as in, is it useful for, for the woman? It is considered to be over excessive lubrication. I mean, there's different understandings of it. So, so, so it has a positive real function and it has a real, it has a real, uh, yani not positive, but I mean, it has a function yani inside the body. And sometimes it, it over exceeds or over excretes or whatever and it comes out sometimes it's a sign of conditions not being great inside either with the endometrium or either with other aspects of the uh, the, the uterus or whatever so is it to keep the vagina lubricated basically? in principle so is how is it different from the, the eye for example your eye is not dry right okay it's always so, so just has just as we did never said that the tear when it comes out of the tear duct that it is impure, then why should we say this? Yeah, the, the, the answer is only because of its position. 
The answer, it's just like, why do we not say it for the nose? Why do we not say if something comes out of the ears like wax, for example? The, the answer is because of his position. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They are, they are the Salaf. Okay. When the Hanafis speak, they are a Salaf. <laughs> because yani, if, if the Hanafis, when they speak, are not a Salaf, yani, then who's a Salaf? Yani, right? They are the kings of fiqh. They're the ones who establish it. And, that's, and uh, uh, jokes aside, that's 100%. When I say Hanafis, I'm not talking about Yani Maulana so-and-so around the corner. Okay? <laughs> I, I, should, I, should make, I should make that very clear. I don't mean Yani Maulana Darul Ulum. I mean the earlier Hanafi scholars in the madhab in the formative years. Names I don't have. And I, I do intend to one day do an in-depth in study of this. And I just want to also make it very clear that, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a nobody. I literally, I'm a nobody. And I st study this. I studied this many years ago and then revised and then study again. Then I teach and then I just took a break and then I teach again. And I want you to know that every a scholar and I'm not one um, they will always develop their own mind and change their own opinion and so on and so forth the more the amount of time they give something and I never found yani, what I want to say is that the majority of the time when I decided to study something in detail myself myself because you know I have my own idea of how much detail should go into something and I'm always dissatisfied when I read other studies even however good they are I'm always thinking but this wasn't dealt with this wasn't dealt with when I look into it, I generally change my opinion when I look into something in detail. And this is one of those, you know, big subjects that I want to, you know, write something, study something. I'll do proper research on it. And I think that I will surprise myself, meaning that I will change. Now, the reason that I know that I, 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 I'm going to shoot the gun and make that change before I've done the study is because of a few things. Because I will say in this class that I rule by the position of Ibn Hazm. And so the class position is that this is a product which is pure and it does not break the wudu and that is because of the evident that lack of a direct evidence to make it najis and because this religion is based upon taysir this religion is based upon ease this is a uh, a uh, an occurrence which is not random or rare but something which happens regularly and is quite common and affects women intensely and it is not a disease which is very clearly dealt with in like an incontinence and something which actually happens in a normative sense and if we were allowed to deal with, allowed this to happen and we had the women having to make wudu every single time then we would know about it it's not clear that we have lots of reports from the companions that, that, that this happened this would have the female companions I'm talking about I think that when it comes to irregular bleeding as we, you'll see when we come to next session to start the book of menstruation okay you'll see that when we come to irregular vaginal bleeding, what we call istihada, we know that it came from 17 women. We are able to, out of the hundreds and thousands of hadith that we have, limit the hadith down to 100 odd hadith, and istihada only being 17 female companions that, that actually mention istihada. We have a lot of accuracy in our research, yet we don't see the masses of narrations to show that these female companions were washing obligatorily themselves each time making wudu after a discharge which we know to be as was existing then is existing now it's not something strange it's something quite regular um, the Hanafi Qiyas helps me feel more secure it certainly helped them more secure and here's the fascinating thing that I want to end this particular chapter with Ibn Taymiyyah he has two positions on the matter 
in um, <laughs> in his Majmu' al-Fatawa, which is the 37 volume collection of all of his fatwa, which was not something that he wrote, don't forget, this was uh, a modern 100 years ago, no, 60 years ago, 70 years ago, the father of Muhammad bin Qasim, you know, the Imam in Medina, okay? You know the one I'm talking about, yeah? Ibn Qasim, what is his name? Muhammad bin Qasim, yeah? Alhamdulillah, Rabbilah, that one, you know? Really skinny glasses, you know that one? Yeah, Khatib, yeah, Imam proper. His father, his grandfather, sorry. I think his grandfather. He was the one who did the massive job and collected all the fatawa together and it became 37 volumes. And that's called Majmu'al Fatawa, the collection of fatawa of Ibn Taymiyyah. The famous book that everyone talks about and knows when you hear the name Ibn Taymiyyah. In there, it states from Ibn Taymiyyah that it breaks the wudu. However, there's another collection called Al-Ikhtiyarat, the chosen positions of Ibn Taymiyyah, meaning the final kind of positions. And in there, he says, it doesn't break the wudu. Okay, it doesn't break the wudu, in neither place giving any ta'aleel, any explanation for the position. And here's where I said that, you know, I really want my sisters here, especially, and all of you know, well, the people who don't study this class with me regular, you know that our sisters make up the majority of the students and they are the majority of my best students. <laughs> and they're the ones that are most accurate, they're the ones that I would refer to when I want to check something. Uh, you know, like Widad, mashallah, very, very good. And uh, you know, when I need something, I'll tell her to uh, find find something for me. But we need more. We need more. You know, SubhanAllah is very very poor <coughs> the level of scholarship. You'll see uh, online all the feminists talking crap. Yani, you know, oh, can you believe this guy's going to teach you a thing? Because you silly cow, you can't teach it. That's why. Okay, right? This is this is this is the reality of these fools. Yeah, all they're interested in is just talking nonsense. They're not interested in actually fiqh or ilm or whatever. They don't accept kitab. Kitab Allah as the final book of Allah. They don't accept the Sunnah of the Prophet is fine. They only accept their own aql and whatever agrees with their own aql. And that's why they are like cows, bahaim. Okay? Balhum adal. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran. Actually, they are even more astray than, than cows. Okay? Any person who does not accept the finality of Allah's book and the Sunnah of his Messenger and believes that today there has to be a movement and a belief and an ideology and an approach and a legal approach to fiqh as well which is based upon today's reality that overrides and abrogates the book of Allah these people have left the deen of, 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 left the deen of Islam that's why feminism is, a, is an ideology of kufr that's why any Muslim woman she should be ashamed of the word feminism and feminist and she should shame the people who don't men, women who don't give her her full rights because she has many rights, okay? But they are not a single one to be found in feminism. Not a single one. Not a single one. And these are just people who are mushawishin, just wasting everyone's time. And, uh, and you know, but, but what one point they make is true. They're able to create the fitna that they create because it is true. There aren't women out there doing the job, okay? They aren't. But they're not interested in actually finding women. They just want to make sure that, that disenfranchised men disenfranchise the, the, you know, what they some of what some of them were saying. I just tried to discuss with a couple of people, okay? And they were saying, you know, I said, you do realize that the Prophet ﷺ taught this subject, Yani. Yeah, but, it, you know, that's uh, 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 what it should have been the wives of the Prophet. ﷺ. I said, are you flipping stupid or what? Yeah. Because it's a disease. It's a disease, Yani, which, you know, and it should have nothing to do with men and blah, 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 blah. You know, 
I, I should give myself custom a Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of patience that I have with these yani, idiots yani, is 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 <clears throat> mahusive. <laughs> right. Anyway, calm down. So deep breath. So uh, genuinely, we are. I mean, it's really sad. Really sad. I mean, I, I, I myself, I'm quite happy because, alhamdulillah, my best students are our sisters. Okay, whether it's in maghrib classes or my private students, and they do lots of work for me. But they need to move quicker, and others need to really take up the 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 mantle. And I'll tell you something interesting, just so that you know. You know, women scholars, they are very, very, yani, you know, they're, they're so rare that when it happens, it doesn't even matter what they've got, but they're put on a pedestal and they deserve everything. Because they are so rare. Like you look at Yasmin Mujahid, who's not a scholar, not a teacher, but she says and speaks the truth, speaks about Islam, and literally she's worshipped by the women. What does that show you? It shows such a, not inferiority complex, but shows such a lack that they don't have enough role models. Okay, that they will go and and treat someone like that. So, and look at it in a different way. You know, you will have heard of. Uh, I think his name is Salahuddin Alayhi Rahmatullah. He is the husband of Ustada Zainab Ansari. That you will have seen on uh, uh, social media and so on. Zainab Ansari is a, a teacher, a female scholar who studied in Syria, this, that, whatever, proper studies dean, and she teaches. No one, with my dearest respect to Salahuddin Alayhi Rahmatullah, would know that he had passed away. I mean, he had his own little thing going on, and he was well known as a great brother and whatever. But you would not have known of his death. He's being known as the husband of Zainab Ansari passed away. And he passed away two days ago, yesterday, alayhi rahmatullah, in an accident. But I'm just giving you an idea, Yani, that, you know, this is sharaf. The knowledge is sharaf. It's an honor. And women must not let fools and idiots and men and misogynists and chauvinists, whatever, get in the way. They have to take this deen and, and really, you know, grab by the horns and study it. And there's no excuses anymore. Allah, no excuses. Even, even violent men and idiots, men and the family and your husbands and your father, there's no excuse anymore because everything's online. Everything is online. You don't even have to leave your home. You can, and then if you're saying that I had to play on a hi-fi and I can't just, you can stick your headphones in. I mean, there was no such thing as headphones before. You can do everything and anything. And this idea that scholars are, 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 are that you can't approach, that's nonsense as well. There are scholars everywhere and teachers everywhere, but people don't like certain people, they like the way other people speak, and they want to listen just to that person. If you want knowledge, you'd go to the person, it doesn't matter whether you like them, how they speak, or how they look, ask the question, get a job done. So it's not acceptable. It's not acceptable, and we have to really fix it. And it should be a sister here that should be teaching it. It's just because I have no shame. I don't care about this stuff. I very easily talk about vaginas and penises and sperms or whatever, whatnot. Day and night, no problem. No change in complexion whatsoever. Good thing about being brown is you can't blush, isn't it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah? <laughs> if, I was like, if I was like Kevin De Bruyne, yeah, I'd be like bloody red now. You know what I'm saying? Have you seen that guy, Kevin De Bruyne? Custom when he goes red, yeah, he turns into a bloody cherry. Have you seen? Me <laughs> skin white guy, German, eh? You know what I'm talking about, yeah? German, Belgian. Anyway, so that's a reminder to myself, to you, to everyone. We have to empower our women, and they're not talking about that whole crap, Yanni, that people say at you know conferences. You know when the, the, the male speaker goes up, we must empower our women. We must bakwas, yeah. He does nothing, <laughs> nothing. Where's his students? What, what did he open? What did he, yani, Just it's just a PC, just to get the you know the sisters loving, uh, like 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 like, yani. What, yani? Actually, go and do something. Actually, go and do something. And the reason I make this point is Sheikh Uthaymin, he refused to change his opinion on this matter. Okay. He said the majority of the scholars are with me and whatever he goes I cannot see I cannot see the evidence for Ibn Hazm. There was a sister by the name of Zainab bint Abdurrahman or something but I don't know. 
she was a scholar and maybe about 10 15 years ago this book Shaq Mumta by the way is quite old yeah this was recorded not in the beginning of his life remember this book was not written by by by, by Sheikh Uthameen this was his students that transcribed his notes this is a this is a complete transcription basically of him speaking yeah so and it was done in the middle of his life yani okay this sister she wrote a research paper of about 90 odd pages on this matter and she sent it to Sheikh Uthaymeen and he changed his opinion right at the end of his life on this matter and he changed his opinion based upon the research of a sister and what I want to say is that that's what should be happening in all the matters that's what should be happening you know what I'm trying to say the women have got to step up and deal with it and we're talking about the greatest fuqaha that we've seen in our modern times I mean it's not yani, to be compared to any of the earlier fuqaha of course not but in our modern times he was the faqih of the fuqaha he was the king of fiqh alright greatest scholar greatest loss we've had in the last 15-20 years without a doubt yani, amazing alright uh, mostly for the ability to explain things in a nice and easy way the difficult matters and he changed his opinion because of a sister who wrote it to him and said I want you to have a look at this sheikh and tell me what you think and he was very impressed with the arguments that were put forward and I'm very happy to follow in that position and his senior student said this by the way because it's not been written down anywhere his senior student said that Sheikh Uthameen in the latter end of his life when he received this booklet we know that he changed his position on the matter and whenever you hear that phrase you have to go by the on the basis of senior students there's no you can't know other thing to go with okay so in conclusion and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best we take on the ruling uh, uh, I, I, I will give this thing I want to say there's no doubt that it is safer <coughs> to make wudu every time that this occurs and you know what if you are that woman where this occurs once a month one day or a little bit then it's probably best to go with the jamhur but I'm saying if you're getting this every day and like a couple of hours or you're getting this every couple of days then whatever and it's like a regular kind of thing it's not continuous to be considered disease but it is the only a regular headache then you know what I'm saying to you that I give you the fatwa of Ibn Hazm I give you the position that it was held by Ibn Taymiyyah I give you the explanation that's held by the Hanafis and I give you what is meant to be the last position of Shaykh Na'ithaymin alayhi rahmatullah which supersedes and abrogates what's in this work here that it is something which is pure and does not break the wudu and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best okay we'll take a break there and the next section we will just finish that one sentence and then you want to do it like that? Yeah, because it will be too many minutes. How long will it take you? Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's only just uh, uh, two minutes. One session, then... No, 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 no. Okay, okay, this is very simple. Okay, so the final one, the thing which is pure, is the remnants of a cat and those creatures, those creatures smaller to it. So, why are the remnants of a cat, Yani, being used? The Hadith Abu Qutada, yes? We already actually covered it. We said to you before that... Uh, it was brought to him this water and he said that this is not najis because the Prophet ﷺ said that these cats are tawafin or tawafat yani, you know they, they, they're always around you always touching you always you know uh, everything so that's okay that's okay um, now now something interesting <coughs> is that Here's, here's interesting. The Hanbalis, they thought, they considered that the reason that it was pure 
was because of its size. What's the proof of that? What's the proof that they thought that the illa, that the cat, is pure because because of its size? What's their illa? No, the exact opposite. Read the text, man. Which meant that they were thinking in the dimensions of size. Do you, do you understand what I'm trying to say? And Sheikh Uthaymeen said, and, and, and that's something which is specific to the Hanbalis. They said that cats and anything smaller which goes around the home, you're okay. Alright? Whereas we'll say, hold on, actually, the Prophet has given the ta'aleel, he said they are tawafin or tawafat. They're the ones that make tawaf around the home. They're in between your legs and there and there and whatever and all over you and jumping and here and there. That's the reason, not the size. Therefore, the class position is that creatures smaller than a cat are not pure. No. Okay? So, the humbly position is that, but the class position is that uh, the... Um, sorry, sorry. Let me, sorry let me just make, uh, I, need, I need to be correct. The class position is that any animals... What Shaykh Uthaymeen is trying to say, he says that, listen, what we need to do is to follow the illa. If you're going to use the illa, follow the illa. So we'll say that not only is the cat pure, but any animal which is going around the house, big or small, it will be pure. It will be pure. Is that clear? Any animal that is around you. So that's going to now include, therefore, the himar and the mule and a hamster and the rabbit and the other pets that you might have at home. Okay? You might say dog, but we said before the dog is exempted because of the clear text which prohibits, which says that the dog itself is impure. Okay? Now, um, uh, okay, so I hope that that's, that's actually clear. All right? Now, what is considered to be impure? The following are impure. So, uh, so I, I mean that even in our position, creatures smaller than a cat will be considered pure. But not for the reason that they said. Not because it's smaller, but because they are tawafin. That's what we want to try and say. Alright. So the following am animals are impure. Predatory animals and very uh, dirty beards. Not nice and long like my one. Okay? Alright? If it's nice and long, then it's okay. If it's, yeah, no. Um, so, it is birds. Don't get upset, okay? It is predatory animals and birds. That doesn't mean birds are impure. It should be predatory animals and predatory birds. All right. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I, I, oh, that's not good, is it? <laughs> you know, I, I'll be honest with you. This it was two o'clock in the morning when I was writing this, by the way. Okay. So cut, cut a guy a break, Annie. You know what I'm saying? Cut a, cut a Bengali some cake, as they said. <laughs> yes. All right. So, um, so the Sibar al Baha'im. We are talking about the fox, and we're talking about yani, a lion, and we're talking about a tiger, and we're talking about leopards, and so on and so forth. All those kind of things which are uh, uh, bigger than a cat. This is because they're following the humbly madhab. Okay? And tayr, kanusur, falcons, and eagles, and things like that. Peregrine falcons, and, that, and things like that. These are all <coughs> impure, according to... The Hanbali Madhab. What did I say about the Hanbali Madhab? No, I said that they are the strictest and harshest when it comes to pure impurity of animals. 
and they also considered that the domesticated donkeys they are impure as well unlike the wild donkeys which they consider to be pure wild donkeys are the unaja okay onaja why is that because the prophet sallallahu said in bukhari that in allah wa rasulahu um uh, sorry, uh, because um, Abu Talha, he was told to go on the day of Khaybar and to announce all to the people the following. Everybody, Allah and His Messenger prohibit you from the, uh, from the meat of, the, uh, of domesticated donkeys. Because it is rigid, or najis. Allah and His Messenger have prohibited you the meat of donkeys because it is rigid and najis. That's the evidence. We'll say that that's what the meat is. And that's why it's haram to eat, but the animal itself is pure. No evidence to show that the animal is pure. And then the, bu- the baghal, okay, is, as we said, the child of a horse and a donkey. Yes? And, and why did they say that's impure? Is a horse pure? Yes. yes. Is a donkey pure, according to them? No. Why did they say that the mule is impure? Yeah, basically they're saying that you know what it is, it's 50% come from impure, so either we're going to assume it's 50% which has no impact, or we're going to say 50% is pretty much the whole thing, so we're going to call it impure. So they basically went on the safe side. So according to them, they gave that ruling and they went on the uh, safe side and considered it to be impure. However, However, and 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 so on and so on and so forth. That means that uh, what's the ruling about this? The idea that this is important is because obviously we touch them and stroke them. But more importantly, again, this is not for us, but people in the Badia, yeah, in the villages and the deserts, whatever, is that you got water everywhere, isn't it? And these animals, they go and they drink from it, and we also drink from it. Don't think Yanni is just a drinking trough. The drinking trough is there. We're using it as well for our wudu and our for drinking, and they are. And if an animal is najis, then when it puts its mouth in, then it is. The water becomes nudges as well. Okay? Now, um, there are a few points I want to say. Number of scholars, they said that the asar uh, of these kind of, the, the, the remnants of these animals, okay, are pure. They are pure. And they said that any uh, a, a hadith which seemed to contradict, and, and they said yes, it is clear that some of the hadith might be considered contradictory. But if you remember a couple of hadith, then it will become all clear. First of all, with water there should be no problem, because if the water is more than qullatayn, two large containers of water, okay, if that is the body of water, then we know that any najasa itself does not affect the large body of water. We covered that in chapter one, in year one, okay. And so, as long as that water, what hasn't happened to it? It's color, it's taste, and it's uh, uh, look, whatever, hasn't smell, hasn't changed, then that water is pure. So it doesn't matter if these animals take from it. But that's the lazy way of going at it. That's like a black way. We want to try and say, well, hold on, let's have a look at the animal itself. Is there actually an evidence to suggest that the animal is pure or impure? And we know that if an animal is from the home and around us regularly, then it should come under tawafi and tawafat. So we're going to apply that as well. So from the fact that the water normally is a quite a large amount and it doesn't get dirty anyway whatever drinks from it we will say that it's not a problem from the fact that these animals that we just mentioned here they do actually and I'm talking birds as well okay birds you know hang around the house and they come in and drink whatever alright 
So we'll say that from that point of view, they're always around us and, and therefore is... And, and the reason the Prophet ﷺ gave this is an exception. He's trying to lift the difficulty, isn't it? And so he said that that's okay as well, all right? And then the next thing is, is that if we were to have this scenario that the animals that we see and use and hunt and whatever are all impure, this would, this would cause some kind of difficulty. So we want to say, as what Ibn Qudama said, Ibn Qudama is the Imam of the Hanbali Madhab, okay? He said in the Mughni that the donkey and the mule are both pure because the Ummah rides them both. And anyone who rides them is never going to be safe from their sweating or when the remember remember a pause here that when we have something which is impure you can hold it it doesn't matter because it's the moisture which is left behind from an impurity which causes something to be impure does that make sense yeah so for example if there was some dry dry dung that i picked up on my hand with my hand and i put it in the bin and there's nothing left in my hand i don't need to wash my hand but if it was, for example, raining and my hands is wet and I pick it up, then immediately that thing is transferred. Okay? And so what the Sheikh here continues, he goes, when you're riding it, it's sweating and you're touching it. And when you're riding it, it is raining and you're taking it from its bodily moisture and so on. And the, the clothes and the body will pick up the rotab. And the Nabi Wasallam never ever commanded his ummah to ever <coughs> avoid this water. And that is the correct position. Okay? وعلى هذا فسؤرها وإرقها وريقهما وما يخرج من أنفهما طاهر وهذا يؤيد ما سبق أن ذكرناه في حديث أبي قتادة and basically anything that comes from these animals whether it's spit or it's saliva or it's nasal uh, excretion or it's sweat or it's remnants whatever all of these are uh, clean because they are طوافين طوافات around you and if someone asks about the dog then we will say the dog is a very clear prohibition yani because of the text I will say the last statement on this okay then we take an exactly 10 minute break and then we start the book demonstration immediately straight after okay in 10 minutes I will end by saying this my position um, and it is the class position and it is the assumed position of Sheikh Uthaymin as well and it is a position of Ibn Taymiyyah and it's a position of the Hanafi school in principle as well yeah and there's some differences there is the following all animals are pure end of all animals are pure other than the dog when it licks something and the pig okay so animals which drink and eat and this and that and whatever physically touching them their sweat this that whatever there's no evidence to show that they are impure no evidence and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala no direct evidence no clear evidence and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best okay everybody that was a major long session it was very heavy should we take 15 now after that? Can we take 5 minutes of questions online and then the 15 minute break? Yeah, okay. Alright. Okay, go on. Let's take some questions. Yeah. There are where the clear white colorless or yellow is considered pure it is considered pure this is right this is of, by the way just want to make it very clear as i said there are so many even if we to have three weekends we couldn't cover all the possible discharges okay so we're not talking about every discharge we're talking about discharge which is not just before menstruating or just after the end of menstruation which is a very which is a similar looking type of discharge we are talking about a discharge which doesn't necessarily specifically only happen in pregnancy. This is a discharge which happens at various times. At, you know, it's very clear to what the woman is. 
uh, it's very clear to what, what it is to women. It is completely separate from menstruation. Yes, that's pure. Isn't it the fact that the woman is prohibited from praying during her menstrual demonstrates that there is a change of ruling upon discharge? No. No. May I ask if the Prophet <coughs> has never set a ruling about discharge, but clearly has about menstruation, irregular blood, and so on? Would that not imply that there is not a need to make a ruling for normal discharge? I no. Stand the need for illness, but not for the substance that is required for a healthy vagina. Right. So the answer, uh, speak up so that everyone can uh, hear you on the thingy. Um, uh, the answer is no, not necessarily, but it's, it, uh, and I'll add to that, that it's not that the Prophet ﷺ didn't mention it, because scholars will argue that it was mentioned uh, It was mentioned by meaning under istihada, or it was mentioned under meaning by something else. So it's not that he just didn't mention it, okay? But the, 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 the real benefit of the fact that the Prophet ﷺ didn't explain it in detail is not that therefore we don't need to worry about it. It means that it indicates that there could be some laxity to it. Not, it's not a definite ruling. Yani when you study Usul al-Fiqh, there's a principle. Adam al-Wurud does not mean the Adam al-Hukam. Yani that the lack of narration on it does not mean that there's no ruling on the matter. So there's a lot of detail behind that. That's a lesson in itself. Yeah. In the meantime, yeah? Um, if you have urine on your clothes and you wash it, yet there is still uh, a smell. Is it, is no, it? they needs to be carried on to be washed. Okay. Yes, if there's a smell, they needs to be continued to washed. Come on, Adif, quick. To yep. a cup to, is a cup pure entirely, including urine and feces, or is, is it just food and drink? Its urine and its feces are not pure. The urine and the feces of a cat are not pure. When we talk about... Listen, that's important, Zakim al You know when we're talking about, like the statement I just said, that the animals are pure? We are only talking about the touching. And we're talking about yani, its saliva. We're talking about this, its touching and its saliva. We are not talking about its urine or its feces at all. The only time when we talk about urine and feces is when we talk about the urine and feces because they are an exception to the rule. So only cattle and goats and this and that, their uh, uh, thingies are, uh, are pure. Now, when it comes to cats, okay, there are some scholars that consider its feces to be pure but not because of the fact that yani you know any animal which is pure then it's uh it's feces are pure it's true but the idea is the reason why some of them said is because it is very difficult to make the harus from yani to avoid if they're living around you and so on but i don't i don't buy into that at all so uh um, if the discharge is pure, then if it is on the underwear, uh, does it need to be washed off? It does not need to be washed off. Okay. If the rule is that that we enter wudu based on the Quran and the Sunnah, and to break wudu for some, and to break wudu for something to break wudu, i.e., it requires evidence from the Quran and Sunnah, then why are we working backwards, i.e., proving that vaginal discharge does not break wudu? Good, good point. Good point. Sister Mesa. Yes, Mesa. I was, I was going to say. I bet Mesa said that. She's a good student, mashallah. Well done, Mesa, representing Edmonton. Oh, but uh, woo. Anyway, yeah. I think that answers the question. No, no, I said, no, no, I said she, she's right. She's right. That's not an evidence. 
and she knows it. She's not evidence, but it's a it's a good ugly argument. It is a good ugly argument. Exactly, she she knows exactly what she's saying, and I know exactly what she's saying, and it's a good ugly argument. Yeah. I was just gonna say, is it not because of the Ishma scholars you got from? It's not Ishma. That's the first thing. Um, so no, but I understand what you're saying as well. I think we got the answer. Yeah, we good. One more. Uh, if your if food that you are eating comes into contact with pigment, then can you still? No, because uh, uh, unless there's absolutely no transfer of whatever is there onto the meat. What if it's cooked in the same oil? <sighs> <laughs> you see. My packness overrides all Islamic rulings. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need dalil, wala kitab, wala sunnah. Yani, no kitab, no sunnah, no hadith, no ayah. Literally made me dizzy. I'm literally feeling dizzy. He cooked food in the pig bloody fat. So I need to uh, open the windows quickly. <laughs> Oh okay, exactly 10 minutes. Okay, we restart. No, no, because Salah Asr is soon. No, 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 no. 10 minutes, inshallah, we start. Okay, guys? It's 10 minutes. <coughs>